everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I'm Brent Smith. Today I'm joined by Daniel Yelverton and Jacob Kingsley. <laughs> Say hi, guys. We don't usually do How's that. How's it so. going? Hey, <laughs> good to see you again. So um, today we are on John chapter 9, and we'll just go ahead and get into it, right? Great. That sounds awesome. Sounds good. Brent, do you want to start us today? Sure, I can yeah, start us today. Yeah, you never start us. I don't. Such a special day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John chapter 9, ESV version of the Bible. Jesus heals a man born blind. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. John 9, everyone. Boom. (laughs) So... Right off the bat, as we're getting into observations, the first thing that stands out to me is almost how nonchalantly the miracle itself happens. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like John is letting us know that just the fact in and of itself that a miracle happened is not the main point of what's happening in this whole situation here. Yeah. It's very, you know, um, literature I guess, if I can <laughs> use that term and make that up, um, that it, it really glues us in. They're like, okay, you know, Jesus healed someone that was blind, and that's awesome, and it, and it showcases the power that Jesus had, but there's something greater at work in this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this story uh, because I think it confronts I think a, a big misconception about not only God, but about just the suffering in this world. And it's amazing that his disciples, so this is Jesus' disciples, pose this question to Jesus when, they, when they're when they passing by this blind person. They say, hey, Jesus, why is this guy born blind? You know, did he mess up or did his parents mess up? Basically, did he sin or did someone else sin against him? And that's why he's born blind. And what we're getting there is even just a window into their theology when it comes to suffering, that suffering is some sort of result of sin, whether it's a result of their own choices or choices done to them that were out of their control, that suffering is just because of sin. And Jesus is saying it's neither of these things. It's neither his sin nor his parents sin, which I'm sure they're like, okay, then that's our like total frame reference when it comes <laughs> mm-hmm. to suffering. So what is it then? And Jesus said it's, it's basically so that the glory of God can be displayed in him. And and that's amazing to me because I think when we when we use cause and effect when it comes to suffering, one, we don't get any comfort in it. If we know what caused the suffering, does that take away the suffering at all? No, it doesn't do it doesn't do us any good to know that, okay, this is my fault. This is what I've done. But that doesn't ease the the situation that we're currently in. Uh, And also we we then turn to to God and we say, all right, God, if I'm experiencing suffering, then I must be bad or somebody must be doing something bad to me. And really suffering has just been a part of our world because 
of the choices that Adam and Eve made, and then that fractured our world from the start. And so God is not sitting here trying to point a finger, which, I mean, we could just point a finger all the way back to them if we wanted to, but God's saying that does us no good. So instead, why don't we then take a different perspective and through our suffering, bring the glory of God. Bring the glory of God through the healing, through the restoration, through the endurance of what's happening here. And and I think it's it really challenges our way of thinking when it comes to when we're going through suffering and honestly when we're looking at other people going through suffering. Because a lot of times we can see other people going through suffering and we can be like, yeah, they had that coming to them. You see the way they do that? Do you see the way they act like that? Did you see the way, what they did the other night? That's why that's going on, you know? And so we can start we can start handing down this form of justice and really when it Jesus looks at this man's affliction not with fault in mind but with compassion and with the glory of God in mind. Yeah. And that kind of thinking really kind of explains why a lot of people get angry with God when mm-hmm. things go wrong in their life because they're like, "Why are you punishing me? What are you doing to me?" you know? Um and it's not a punishment at all. And I think it ties into people feeling like they have to do certain things to get back in good graces with God as well. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know. And I think the other thing that it can lead to it it definitely can lead to bitterness, but it can just so easily lead to legalism. Mm -hmm. If you look at um, every bad thing as being a punishment from God and the good things in life as being a reward from God, as opposed to just the world and the way it is because it's broken, then of course you're going to do everything you can to ostracize yourself from anything bad. You're going to push people away. You're going to be up on that high hill looking down at everybody else because you want the good things. Mm -hmm. And as soon as something bad happens in your life, you're probably going to convince yourself that it wasn't your fault because you are a good person. You're going to look to the nearest person that has something bad going on or did something bad to you, and you will take measures to punish that person for what they brought into your life. And that's almost what the Pharisees are doing here. Exactly. They're looking, and they're like, well, this person in their framework had sinned or their parents had sinned. And so now he's free of this quote-unquote punishment you can't see me doing the little bunny ears on the podcast (laughs) Um, great bunny thank you by the way perfect form um but they're like he can't get off scot-free there has to be some greater explanation of what this is because god wouldn't just not punish a sinner Mm -hmm. because they had dedicated their whole lives to living righteously so that way they wouldn't be blind or their children wouldn't be blind you know and so there's this whole system of just legalism and oppression Mm -hmm. that stems from this reward and consequence mindset of how God operates in the world that's totally incorrect. So I don't want to derail this at all. Like, did you guys want to continue down that line at all? I I was going to say, yeah, go ahead. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting, too, is you see a window into their theology, and they're saying, even the blind man is saying this because he's been taught this, that that God doesn't listen to sinners, mm-hmm. that there's no way that God listens to sinners, that God doesn't work through sinners, or God doesn't, you know, that's not a part of his framework. Like, he limits himself only through using the righteous and using that. And obviously, that's not the way God works at all, that God brings his glory through so many different things. And uh, even, like, uh, an Old Testament, I feel like ref like 
uh, correlation to this story is the story of Job, you know, where you have Job having all these terrible things happen to him, even though he's a good person. And even it's so funny because that's in the Jewish scriptures. That's in their kind of chronicles of, of wisdom or that section of wisdom literature that's in the Old Testament, yet they still are not able to wrap their mind around uh, how God is working and how God is even operating, even though that's something that they have access to. They're still kind of stuck in this mentality of, like you said, Jacob, the legalism. Because for them, even that, the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they're not even looking past. The guy's been blind since birth, right. and he's of age to speak for himself. So he's been blind for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're just really concerned about this person that's healed him and that the fact that he did it on the Sabbath. And they've totally just, they've been they've missed the point. They've yeah. missed it right. 100%. They kind of ruined the buzz of his miracle, too, because they're like Instantly. dragging him back and forth like, you need to tell us again what happened. What happened? No, that can't be true. What happened? You know, and it's like, dude, he just he can see. Like, and the bothering him and let the, him go enjoy it. The blind guy is getting <laughs> sassy too. Well, yeah. now, I he's like, that. well, I told you once already, and you didn't listen. And he's like, are you asking me again because you want to be his disciples? And then the Bible's like, and the Pharisees were furious. <laughs> yeah. And he just he knew that that was going to get him. He was like, oh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's this whole ordeal, and I think um, something that kind of just just came to me almost a, a real time somewhat application or maybe a parallel. And and I love that this podcast is, is diving into the Bible and sometimes the application from the Bible comes into our politics. So not to make this a, a political talk show, but even in what has just been so buzzworthy recently with the whole um, children of immigrants and children being separated from their families. And, and I've seen a lot of speech from other Christians, people within the church that are totally fine because, you know, the immigrants, the kids came illegally. They did something wrong. The punishment, even if it might be a little severe, even if it's a little cruel, is okay because they deserve that. Mm -hmm. You know, they broke the law. They get the punishment. Mm -hmm. And I know it's different than this sin of, of being born blind, but it's this mindset of how does Jesus look past that? How does Jesus affirm the person? How does Jesus set aside the societal standards of the day in order to pursue the person? It even says at the end that he went and he found the blind man again. Jesus is taking time. And so when we look at people, again, as we look at judgment, as we look at punishment and, and suffering in people's lives, are do we look and justify it? Do we look for people to receive the due of their, you know, evil acts, so to speak, or do we have compassion on people? Do we look for healing and restoration in their lives despite what we feel like they are due because of their actions? I mean, I'm I'm one that's spoken out about mm-hmm. that on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> I look at it as there's individual um, actions and compassion, mm-hmm. but then there's also the sovereignty of the nation and the laws that you live mm-hmm. in. So for me, I feel like, yes, there's probably a better way for this to be happening, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's the law that's on the books. So I can get involved and help if I want to help, but there's also a need for a nation to uphold the laws that it has established and that people, if they knowingly mm-hmm. broke them, to still have to suffer the consequences of mm-hmm. what they've done. I don't like parent. I'm a parent myself. Mm-hmm. I don't like children being separated from their parents. Right. But if that's the law that's currently on the books, I understand our nation upholding it, even mm-hmm. if it's unpopular. Whereas there's still compassion in me that's like that sucks, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. want that to happen to me. But I will still argue for the the right of not just the right, but the responsibility of the country to uphold the laws because there's been a lot of 
not upholding our laws for a long time because of compassion. Mm -hmm. But there has to be a line somewhere in that where you are starting to hurt your country overall because you're doing a lot of things that are kind of, you know, taking resources and things from your country. So there has Mm -hmm. to be a line there somewhere. So, yeah, my Mm -hmm. argument for there is, for that is individual versus Mm -hmm. national government and that line, where that line is. And I think it's -hmm. it's hard, too, because, um, you know, I, I just I would never want to be in that position to make those decisions. I mean, those yeah. are those are uh, just impossible decisions, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. either way, because they've got to look at all different sides. They've got to look at the protection of our nation, the protection of our economy. I mean, right. like all sorts of things are swirling around. This is is a very mm-hmm. it's a big subject here. And I, but I think that you you draw a good point to to look to the individual. Mm-hmm. So I think what Jesus is doing here is I mean he's definitely confronting what would see be more of a religious than a political system, sure. but it would be like so a certain view of God, but he is confronting it and he's saying cuz I'm focusing on the individual. Yeah. I am going to see I see a man that's been born blind since birth. Yeah. And so and so he heals him and of course it causes this huge uproar and a lot of times it's just you know what happens when God comes on the scene. You know, it, it, it unravels some of the things that we have already, uh, like, uh, had in our mind about who God is or how mm-hmm. this is supposed to go. And sometimes I think when we get in these real, like, even when it comes to political debates, mm-hmm. we can have sure. something in our mm-hmm. mind of how so, uh, things are supposed to go. But we always have to take everything that we have in this world and bring the lens of the gospel of Jesus over it and mm-hmm. always look through it mm-hmm. uh, and what uh, Jesus would do in that situation, whether it's facing a religious situation, political situation, a personal situation, a family situation, all of that stuff, we have to look through the the lens of the gospel. And and so I think that it's, it's, it is awesome that Jesus is, uh, is healing this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's crazy to see just the blindness right. of the Pharisees because they're so focused in on the fact that God doesn't work through sinners, that God, they, and, and that's their, that they've built their life on that. They've right. built their life on, I need to try to make good things happen to me because, or, or, or be the good thing that happens to me because that shows that I have the favor of God on me. And, and so to challenge that, it's, it's just, they're fighting for something that's so ingrained into their conscience and so ingrained into their hearts and their minds but they're not they're, they're not willing to bring God into the situation. This mm-hmm. is their construct and they want it so bad to remain. Right. And so I oh, oh, go ahead. No. I was going to say so I think the question that this passage kind of answers and I'll I'll ask it to you guys so that way you can you can answer it but how does God respond to suffering? So often we look at suffering from how we respond to it assuming that God causes it or God just allows it and is indifferent to it. But how does God respond to suffering in our lives. So I personally think that um, when God responds to suffering in our lives, I I mean, there's personal things that I'm a part of right now that I've seen and I've really kind of been analyzing this, you know, hoping, hoping that the people that I know that are going through the situation, I don't want to throw anybody out there right now, but that there won't be bitterness towards God through their suffering. Because I think that through our suffering, God is right there by our side. Mm -hmm. He loves us. He wants to help us and he gives us strength and he gives us understanding and peace if we pray for it and if we look to him for it in that time and he's there for us so through suffering i don't i don't believe myself that god makes things worse for us i don't think that there you know what we talked about there isn't suffering as punishment it Mm -hmm. just is what it is it's because we live in a fallen world and i think because he is a loving father 
that he's there by our side through it all to provide everything that we need if we just turn to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's, it's hard, too, because some suffering is definitely self-inflicted. You know, there's sometimes yeah. when we we have made the obvious wrong choices, we've gone down a pathway. And and so I think that's that is one way to look at suffering. And I think there's uh, there's an argument uh, about the problem of evil. And a lot of that has to do around what's called more baseless or senseless suffering. Mm. And, and the challenge with this, the challenge when we step into that realm is that we assume the knowledge and wisdom of God is our own. Right. So we look at the situation and we say, that's senseless. That doesn't make any sense. That's awful suffering. God must not be a good God or must not be an all-powerful God. Because, because if he, because if he was good, it. he would do it. Yeah. If, he, if, he, if he loved us, he wouldn't allow it to happen. If he had the power to change it, then he would. And then he's either, it's one of those things. He's not either all-powerful or all-loving. And But that comes off the premise that we can fully understand the wisdom of right. God. And I've heard it said before, this is it's a pretty cool analogy where um, if you take God's uh, power, right, his ability to speak galaxies into existence, stars into existence, all you have to do is say a word, let there be light. And there's, you know, billions and trillions of stars mm-hmm. that are that are pumping out uh billions and trillions of atom bombs worth of energy. That that is the power in his words and mm-hmm. what he's spoken. I think about my power and my ability, right? Mm-hmm. And how like I can't even put like IKEA furniture together without like <laughs> it taking like, you know, an entire day and me losing my mind, right? Yeah. That's the power to create <laughs> that I have. And with and, Swedish instructions. Which yeah, which are like in itself a maddening. But <laughs> if if that is so if, if that's my power compared to God's power, could it be safe to say that my wisdom compared to God's wisdom is that far? is the gap is that far between God's wisdom and my wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that if I was given God's perspective and I had infinite wisdom and I had infinite timeless knowledge, would I be able to understand or see maybe that God is doing something greater and something bigger in the situa- in the current situation than what I'm currently facing? Yeah. And I think that, you know, we can try to reduce God to a little bit smarter than ourselves and we'll justify suffering by saying, well, Maybe God had a plan or they were better up in heaven, you know, and, and some of these things like they're very insensitive to the, 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 the current situation. And often a lot of times when it comes to suffering, when we try to put our those kind of now that knowledge or limitations, just like they did mm-hmm. in this context, they tried to put their own understanding on suffering. And Jesus is saying it's not any of those things. Yeah. You know, this suffering is not necessarily happening because I, I don't want you to focus on the cause. I want you to focus on that God is going to do something amazing here. Yeah. And and I love that what that does is that frees us then. That frees us from uh, from feeling responsible or feeling like someone else is responsible for our suffering. Or it frees us from the, the desire to enact justice. Because if something's happening to us and it seems senseless or it seems unbased, then we're going to go look for justice somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? And if we can just disarm ourselves of that sense of like, I've got to go find this justice here. I've got to make this wrong, this suffering wrong, this that's wrong. I need to go make it right. And maybe we can say, all right, this is suffering, but you know what? I know that God, who has the power to speak galaxies and to create, and not only that, to bring restoration, to bring life, to bring, through his words, bring death to life, mm-hmm. then I think he has the ability to bring glory through this situation. Mm. 
And and what it does is it realigns our hope then to him. And that's and that's what like suffering in, in Romans chapter five talks about like suffering builds up all of these things, it builds up character and it turns into hope and that hope won't fail. And then uh, James even talk James one talks about suffering too, and it's it gives us a different perspective when we pull ourselves from that present situation and we get some sort of higher point of view, and we get to see that God has the ability to work in this. He has the ability to create a story and restore. And um, maybe you've experienced this, but I've experienced this when I look back on moments of suffering, I can see God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and God walking with me every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And and that gives me comfort and hope in the present and in the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that, I mean, that's a great place to wrap up, and we need to wrap up pretty soon. But one thing that I wanted to ask is see if you have any, you know, any any basis of understanding of this. Obviously, things that are in the scripture that we're reading sometimes we'll never understand fully what the reasoning was behind them, especially mm-hmm. if it's something that Jesus does because it's of God. We maybe never understand that. But so the thing that really sticks out to me in this chapter is that God makes mud and rubs it on this man's eyes to heal him mm-hmm. and has him go wash it to complete the process to heal it. Mm-hmm. Is there significance in that mud? Because we know in other, in other passages we've seen where um, someone came to Jesus, said that they had a daughter sick at home, and because of their faith, he said she's healed. Mm-hmm. And she was literally, he wasn't even there with her to touch her, to heal her, but yet he healed her. Do you know of any significance behind the mud itself? Because it just seems to me if he can do it with nothing, why use the mud? Uh, I think uh, one of the things that's really interesting about Jesus is that his miracles are not done the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is, is a good thing for us to learn because we can look at God as a recipe book. Mm-hmm. We can do all of these things and then we can be healed. Mm-hmm. And And there can be, also there is our participation in the healing of God what it does is it, it, it will build up our faith, but it will also disarm our pride. Mm. See, there's another correlation in the Old Testament that I think of this, and that's the story of Naaman. And that's the, that's the guy that was very high up in, I think, the Assyrian uh, army. And he is, goes to occupied territory, basically. They have occupied northern Israel. And he goes to the prophet, uh, it's either Elisha or Elisha, and so I'm butchering the story. But uh, he's basically, he has leprosy. He's going to die. And... And he's going to be like just basically cast out. And he's like one of the highest ranking persons in this nation. And uh, the the Elijah or Elisha won't even go see him. He has a servant relay the message and say, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Mm-hmm. And he's furious. He's furious because he's like, we've got better rivers where I'm from. Why do I need to go wash in this 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 terrible river. And they were, he was saying, he, he said, well, why don't you just follow through with this? Why don't you follow through with the obedient obedience aspect of this and of trusting God in, uh-huh. in the situation? And he go, and he washes seven times in the Jordan river and then he's healed and, and it changes him. Like that act of actually going through and following through with that, um, builds up his faith, builds up his confidence in the Lord. And, and so there's not a recipe for that. And I think Jesus is intentional because if he heals everybody the same way, I would interpret that as, okay, that's the steps that I need to take to be healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that I think there's a difference there, but, uh, also there's there, Jesus knowing how this person is going to respond and what they're going and, what faith has been given to them and what they were able to actually follow through when it comes to what Jesus is, is asking them to do. Um, it, it shows that we see a lot of that in other miracles. And so, um, whether if, 
so that the significance I think of of the how is really more of an opportunity to build faith, an opportunity to step and walk in and say like, okay, God, I trust you with this. I'm gonna go wash in this, you know, the bath. Or I guess it's called the yeah the pool of shalom. Yeah, and you know, and and he did it, and he was healed. You know, so he so he had mud in his eyes for a while. So, <laughs> you know, however long it took to get him to get to the pool, you know, and that and the miracle wasn't there until yeah. he washed it. And Jesus didn't have to do that. Yeah. But that act of of stepping in obedience and walking in to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. Mm. I may look like an idiot right now because I got mud all over my eyes, <laughs> but I'm going to trust you. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes we get to a desperation point, like a man that's been born blind. Why not? Yeah. You know, why not do this? Um, but you know, so, and then you we can, but I think it disarms us of that pride. And that's where we see that in the story of name and where he comes together and says, well, God, if you're not going to heal me right now, then I'm done with you. Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, God is God. The healing is great, but honestly, when it boils down to it, we're all going to die anyways. So his sight's eventually going to go away because he's going to eventually going to pass. And so all of these physical healings are temporary, but what happens in the heart is something yeah. that can carry on all the way into eternal things. Yeah. And that's why you're on this podcast, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that may be the wrong answer. <laughs> it was a good answer though, either way. But uh, thank you for going back to that, because um, that was just, that was really the whole time, like earlier when I kind of interrupted and I was like, are you guys wanting to carry on in this stream of thought? That was what I wanted to ask was like, <laughs> what do you guys think? Because, you know, even yeah. you guys, you've, you've done a lot of study in this kind of stuff. And, and I, you know, Michael Miller's another one that I would love to get his take on that too, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, let me pray for us and we'll go ahead and wrap up for the day. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Father, just a simple prayer from us today. Just that you would help us to lay our pride down and lay our assumptions down of who you are and how you operate. And let us just trust in you and let us just go into our daily lives and into our interactions with others and into the view that we have of what you're doing in this world and in our lives. Just let us keep an open mind and trust in you and have faith in you. Mm -hmm. Let us live our lives in faith and trust that you know so much better than we do and that your perspective is so magnificently larger than what we will ever be able to see until you choose to show it to us if that ever happens. So let us just go through our lives trusting in you, giving everything we have up to you, lifting our hands and surrender to you and who you are and having confidence in that. Mm -hmm. So God, just as we go forward, that's our prayer faith in you more faith in you mm-hmm. and more trust in you and how you are working things out for our good and for the greater good god we thank you and we trust you and in your name amen amen all right you guys that is going to wrap us up for today thank you again for joining us um in john 9 today and we will see you back next week um we have going on right now is actually our summer camp it's called amped camp that we're doing right now Woo-hoo! and um it's it's I know it's Tuesday, but it's it's not something that if you miss the first day or two of you can't bring your kids to and let them enjoy it. So we're here. You can just come and, and sign up if you want to. We would love to see you guys if you're listening to this today. Come Tuesday night. Comes Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It's a great time. It's a great way for your kids to get connected with the community here at the church to find out more about Jesus and just have an awesome time. So come on out and we hope to see you. But otherwise, if we don't see you, we'll talk to you from this podcast next week. <laughs>